0: this could be a great intro
1: hi I'm Akshay.
0: hi this is Saurabh. and you are listening to the founder thesis podcast we meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country and we want to learn how
1: to build a unicorn
2: Hi, I'm Preeti Rati Gupta, I'm the founder of Lakshmi. I'm also Managing Director, Anand Rathi, Shares & Stock Brokers.
0: It is no longer breaking news that young women today are storming into male-dominated areas. But there was an era when a young woman was expected to get married, put her career on hold for the sake of her family, and it was path-breaking to see a woman take on leadership roles in corporates. One such trailblazer blazer is Preeti Rathi Gupta. She is the daughter of Rathi, who is the founder of one of the largest financial services groups in India. She not only took up challenging roles within the Rathi group, but also diversified into film production. And her most recent venture and passion is Lakshmi, which is spelled as LXME. Lakshmi is a community-driven fintech that is putting women in charge of their finances by offering training, content, community and investing products and with her decades of experience preeti will surely scale up lakshmi to meaningfully impact millions of women in india here's preeti telling akshata about her wonderful journey
1: okay so preeti uh, tell me about uh, growing up in uh, like you know in in a family of entrepreneurs so to say like, like what was your childhood like
2: so, actually, interestingly, my childhood, my father wasn't an entrepreneur. He was a professional. Um, and it's only at, I think, when he turned 45, he turned an entrepreneur. Uh, so, I've actually, growing up, seen uh, a professional, you know, at home for most of my growing up years. And then... Where, where and was started... he
1: working? Like, uh, like if you could just so tell us was, his story.
2: Yeah. So, he was working with the uh, Aditya Birla group. Um, and he had a... I think a 20 year inning uh, there uh, where he was, he set up what is known today known as uh, Birla finance, uh, Birla money, Aditya Birla money and Birla finance. It's something that he set up uh, by. Which is their
1: mutual fund, I think.
2: Yes. So he actually started with, um, I mean, he used to, he started with the textile businesses, set up seven businesses for the group. Um, But because of his financial acumen, um, he worked very closely with Mr. Birla to, you know, to come up with these Ideate constantly on how could the group overall do better when it came to finance functions. So one of the things that he did was centralize all finance functions, brought them together. Um, and that was his idea so that you leverage on the, on the power of the group and just the whole breadth of, you know, what the group across was doing whether it is things like lending uh, borrowing or uh, looking at hedging etc so i think that and that then eventually um, grew into uberla finance and then you know what is today, uh, uh, the other financial services firm so um, we had an extensive career there and we moved actually thanks to his career we moved every three years four years we were in a different city um, so when when people talk of adaptability quotient i think thanks to thanks to him we learned it early on uh, and then eventually we settled in bombay and
0: uh,
2: and i think at 45 and he just felt that his other two kids were a little younger that was probably the either he would take the step then or never so i think he just made that big jump that leap of faith uh, at that point in time. And it's unheard of because, you know, to give up a very nice, cushy job to really start off on. Uh, at least then it was unheard of. Today's world is very different. I think if you look at the startup world, uh, you know, you'll know you see. see
1: yeah, now, now people are like, hey, job, why are you career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so, like, how did he fund the business? Like, what was his idea, basically?
2: Of course, his forte was always financed. And having got that, that experience across working with the Birla Group. And before that, he was with DCM and, you know, a company called Swadeshi Politics. So he understood the whole piece of financial um, uh, consulting for, uh, you know, um, corporates or companies. And I think when he left his job, he knew that he had to be in a business which was not very capital intensive. Um, and therefore services, right? And within services of course you know financial consulting was something that he did um, he knew was his forte so he said he'll do that uh, but in the meanwhile uh, I'd got married and my husband was also in the stock market and uh, he was a national stock exchange broker and my father had a Bombay stock exchange card. So they said, okay why don't we join forces? I, he said, I'm not interested in broking so why don't you carry on with the whole broking piece and I would still want to continue into corporate finance and financial consulting um so i think that's what the structure was and obviously he knew that we couldn't do anything that was very capital intensive because he had you know, um uh too many responsibilities at home so there wasn't like a huge corpus yes there was some amount but not a huge corpus sort built to uh, uh to have anything in the manufacturing or in industry hmm, or
1: right right so yeah so, so this was the way to go so what did you do in terms of like you know uh, after your schooling got over like did you have a plan that you want to like do something in the area of finance or like
2: so i think i always knew i think uh, uh, i always say that i think it was very deeply embedded in the dna but i think my father played a very very instrumental role because while i was growing up um, i mean there were no people wouldn't do internships then right but I think the day I joined college, he said, why don't you go to, my choice was between a, a, a college known as Sidham and HR. And he said, why don't you join HR? Because that's 7 to 10 in the morning. And then you can come and work um, with me. And you can handle the family portfolios, So you learn all of that. So a lot of credit to him for pushing me, you know, into using that part of the day. So whether it is managing our portfolios, family portfolios, or learning a new new language, um, you know, at that I was just basic really and all of that. And just pushing me towards, um, you know, finance and finance related uh, sort of, um, um, you know, subjects. Um, and then I interned with my uncle, who was a stockbroker. So I sort of uh, got, got the hang of, I mean, by the time I was married, I knew what stockbroking was all about. And so I think he sort of pushed me from early days to say, look, you know you have to if nothing else you need to understand how money works uh, because no matter whether you build a profession in it or not it is something that will always serve you well uh, and i think that to me uh was very empowering i and it was you part were of,
1: investing real money like he gave you a yeah, corporate
2: absolutely okay. so so i started by understanding how he'd done the investments. Right. Uh, So across our family portfolio, I would understand what stocks, when are dividends declared, make sure, you know, very basic. I think he started with making me do accounting stuff that, you know, check whether dividends have come in or not in each of the portfolios, uh, each account, etc. And that just helped a very, very you know, fundamental understanding of how stock markets work. What does it mean to invest into stocks? Um, you know, why 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 do you look at stocks that pay dividends and you look at growth stocks where, you know, the the appreciation uh, of the stocks helps you build your capital. So I think that was very, very helpful. And which is why, uh, to me, it's now, you know, it, it's something that's just part of who I am because it's been so deeply uh, embedded. Hmm. So
1: <laughs> like, yeah, around uh, 1920 is uh, when your father also started Anand Ratti, and then you started going to the office and learning the ropes. So uh, tell me about the journey of how probably Anand Ratti started with a small team of couple of people and how it grew like, yeah, and,
2: sure. and your,
1: your contribution also in that whole journey.
2: Yeah. So actually, when I got married, uh, Anandrath, wasn't already set up. He was, my father was still with the Birlas and my husband set up a stockbroking company. So he came from, uh, you know, the background of textiles. And he said, I want to, you know, 1991, everybody wanted to do stockbroking, right? Because that was the Mehta time. It was a boom in the markets. And there was just too much money there. And he said, why don't we start something here? And which is where I helped him set up his national stock exchange, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, the broking company, because I had that, uh, you know, experience. I knew, in fact, I've when we set up the uh, the company, I was actually doing institutional trading, sitting on the desk and doing trading. Uh, so that's how the journey started. Um, and then um, in 1994 is when Anandrathi was set up, uh, when they joined forces. Um and invariably, I think um, you know the way we we started we started functioning, or how other than my father and my husband, every other family member who came in was like, "Look, we need hands, right? All hands on on board, right?" So um, that's how we joined the business. Each one of us setting up a business. Um, of course, the company started really small, very small uh, office. We had about I think fifteen to twenty people um essentially um as you can guess most charter accountants most of them mm. chartered mm. accountants mm. Uh,
1: no, 1520 is pretty sizable to start a company with yeah. Mm.
2: yeah but you see what what was helpful was that we already had um in our national stock ex- exchange we already had a broking business so that was already mm. a um a business that that um you know, that had revenues. So you had revenues. Right. Place, yeah. huh. And huh. then, of course, the financial consulting at that point in time, uh, you know, it was not it was not very um, um, sort of people heavy. Uh and if anybody who wanted to sort of give a, uh, uh, you know, a mandate for financial restructuring of the company, etc., they always wanted Mr. Rathi there. So it wasn't yeah, like... Yeah,
1: absolutely. Was, yeah. Right? Yeah, so, it was his brand, basically.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, yeah. over a period of time, we realized that it is not very scalable because, you know, if he has to give so much time and, you know, irrespective of whether you build teams. So then... Slowly, of course, as each one of us joined the business, for example, when I joined, I set up the commodities desk, currencies desk. Um, my brother joined in, he set up the wealth management business. Uh, soon we had the investment banking business. My sister-in-law joined in, we set up the insurance business. So that's how we sort of, I think when we just started, we said, okay, you know, let's see who who brings in what strength, what can we do with these limited resources. Uh, but I think it helped to have, Um, again my father's acumen in saying that you know this is you know you actually come back to that whole unit cost system which he had um, implemented with the Birlas and saying you know this is how we sort of look at uh, uh, building revenues also I think we were very um, in that sense very unconventional most business houses then would say okay let's first build revenue then take on expenses right I think for us Right from the beginning, we knew that if we had to create a business of this size, you need to get resources from outside. Um, and which means that, you know, it will be an expense that you take on. But that that is the way to sort of grow to the size that you want to. So I think we we did do it, uh, uh, you know, very differently. Um, and I think most businesses didn't.
1: Like you know, your father put in his life savings
2: not just yeah. that, and I think you know. I mean, today what you call the startup mindset is what we had back then, right? Where you said, okay, let's let's first just get in the you know the resources cost, and we'll see how we you know we yeah. very first,
1: the and then figure out monetization. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was. Uh, I mean, the monetization was very clear. Of course, we knew each of the businesses there is a monetization um, happening very soon, um, but I don't think we waited for. Um, you know other businesses to sort of pay before we set up new businesses and it helped to have uh, family members uh, you know who came
0: in running. to set up different businesses
1: uh, yeah. right 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 yeah otherwise you'd have to pay very high salaries for like having professionals to do, do those
2: mm. yeah but mm. interestingly also Akshay, one of the things that we uh, we always uh, you know, the way we've run Anandrati is also that within a year and a half or two years, uh, we build in a professional team for the business. Uh, so the, you know, the family member actually is the entrepreneur, right? So they go and stick their neck out and they say, OK, let's create this business. But let's also get professionals to, to then take charge. So which is, why, you know, we today call ourselves or we are known as uh, family led but professionally run um, hmm. company. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we'd build a sizable business. Um, mm. uh, by 2000, I think we were in for retail, we were present across thousand plus locations. Um, our branch offices were there, yeah. And uh, this
1: was like on uh, like your own or franchisee uh model, so, like?
2: so it was a mix of both. But we were the only group that had more of our own branches as opposed to franchises. Um, and so that, that, by then, I think we were very, very firmly established um, in the uh, investment services retail piece. Our uh, wealth business was just building up. I think we had started it and it had come, you know, it had picked up legs. Um, hmm. Institutional... Well,
1: business was uh, for h only or uh, like... Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. It, was,
2: it was H&I and Ultra H&I, um, actually. And um, and that was picking up legs. Um also i think we had um in investment banking had also picked up we had sort of set we started doing a lot of um uh, capital raising uh, corporate cap- capital raising through ipos or companies. um i think um Insurance was probably not started in two thousand, yeah. But I was, so we were actively still in the broking space with an investment bank uh, investment banking arm, and the wealth management sort of picking up.
1: Hmm. Okay. Okay. And uh, two thousand is when you know uh, I think that the broking space would have just started to get disrupted with the online players. Uh, so you know how, how did that? Uh, how did Anandrati evolve as the market?
2: Well, I, I'll tell you. So this is a very interesting story. So we also started with our online broking. Uh, and I remember us and Share Khan, we debuted on the same day. Uh, this was 2001. And I remember that our, uh, this was 1999, I think, just on the cusp of 2000, right? Um, and, and we had all our, because we went online, we had, because of our brand setup, we just had Too many people log in in the first day itself, and I remember our site crashed, right? Because we weren't (laughs) anticipating that traffic. Um, But that, yeah, that was that. So we were amongst the first few to to go online. I think technology is something that we've uh, um, adopted or we've adapted to very quickly right from the beginning, because I think everybody pretty much had the mindset that you know uh, we need to. um, to use technology really to run businesses, scale businesses. Right,
1: right, right, right. Okay, okay. And how did your role evolve? Like in 2000, what role were you playing? And and how did that evolve? over? So
2: again, you know, just setting up businesses. And of course, around 2000, I'd actually taken a break because my um, son was born. So, um, and you know, I I hope we talk about Lakshmi and I'm going to tell you why Lakshmi happened, right? I took a break and then when I came back, also, that was the time when, you know, like you said, everything had, um, the capital markets or stock broking as an industry had become very, you, very...
1: When did you come back? Like,
2: So, this was 2004. Okay. Um, and so, um, it had become very professionalized. Um, <clears throat> and so had our company. So, when I came back, I realized one of the things... I mean, I wasn't really adding value in the business because there were professionals who were very, very well qualified. Um and, and I think for me, it was time to set up, you know, play my role of setting up new businesses. So 2003 is when actually I started, I went back to uh, school. So I, I did executive education at SPJN. Uh, so that was something that that was always sort of left unfinished, right? So um, so so took care of that unfinished business. And I think while I was there, I sort of also looked at the landscape of within the financial services um, you know what are the next what are the new trends uh, and of course the commodity futures were just starting um, commodity futures in our country had been banned for almost you know 40 years and then they sort of you know then the uh, the finance bill was passed which said okay now now we can have exchanges which offer uh, future commodity futures and that to me was a very interesting space because it was new. It was um, markets were very uh, unorganized even then. And it was challenging because, you know, the, the fundamentals and the way the, the markets uh, behaved were very, very different to stock markets. Right. It was like every commodity was an entire stock market by itself. So uh, So that's what I came back and I set up the commodity futures business. And then over the next few years, currency futures also happened, which was a great, uh, uh, you know, a great complement to the commodity futures, because commodity futures are essentially also very internationally linked. So your commodity prices are internationally, a large part of your commodities prices, whether it's gold, you know, metals, precious metals, or it is a lot of the spices or um, pulses, they were linked um, to international prices. Um and therefore, I think currencies was a great uh, complement um, to commodities. So that cur- currency futures was also what was the test that I set up. So, yeah.
1: So uh, tell me about two thousand ten. Like, like you know, just like like decade by decade. So we talked about two thousand where we were. So two thousand ten, like where so, was?
2: 2010, commodity markets were booming. I think uh, the business that I had set up was doing exceptionally well. We were amongst the top three uh, commodity brokers. Uh, For me, it was uh, personally also a very, uh, you know, it was a challenging and gratifying journey.
1: So around 13, 14, I I guess you started getting into uh, other things. Like 13, I can see uh, you started Ishka uh, and 14 of the so, so tell me about that that period and the transition that happening
2: yeah so um so i think there was one a personal uh, life incident which sort of you know just made me take two steps back and think about hmm. uh you know what exactly do i want uh, uh want my life to to look like going forward um and while i was about thirteen very-
1: like like th- this happened around that time.
2: Yeah, just uh, so 2011, actually, I lost my mother and uh, she was very young. She was 59 when she passed away. Um, and it just just made me sit, sit up and think that, you know, life is unpredictable. It's ephemeral and you you need to start really, you know, stop or rather stop living just in the present. You need to look beyond. Um and I think, which is where I said, okay, these are the few things that I know I want to do. So my my mother was, uh, she was, she had the artistic, creative genes. She, I mean, I got them from her. I was always. Uh, she made sure that we are all learning music. We are all into the arts in some form or not. Uh, remember, schools were not pay, playing such an active role back right. then. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks to my mother, I
2: think all of us have have got that exposure. And she would keep telling me that you're very creative. You should do something, uh, you know, with with, with the um, uh, aptitude that you have. And I think after she passed away, I said, look, I mean, I do want to do, uh, I want to create some sort of legacy. I know businesses are there and we are creating a legacy there. But maybe something which has a longer shelf life uh, and which is more mine, right? Personally, mine as well. Um, and then I was doing some work on on creating a film fund. Uh, which was part of what we were thinking at Anandrati. Uh, you know, because a lot of our clients did want, at that time, media and entertainment was booming and everybody wanted one foot in, right? And we said, can we create a fund around uh, uh, in this space? So, while I did my homework, I think I realized that, well, a fund is not very suitable because, uh, you know, we are very conservative in our offerings uh, in wealth and media and entertainment space is hugely volatile. So, you can not tie it in a box. Uh, and therefore it was not doable um, mm. but since I done my homework and I you know I was I've always had that bent of mind you know saying okay let me I want to do something creative I did see a space um, evolving a space for very um, you know sort of intellectual cinema at that point in time it was called intellectual but today you have today content has really become you know Thing, right, but at that point in time, it was essentially the stars. If you make a film with the stars, you've had it, right? But the satellites were slowly um, buying content uh, by saying, "Okay, even if theatrical, I don't make great money. I know that here, it, you know, I can sort of de-risk it." Uh, so, and and that space was empty. There weren't many people making a lot of interesting cinema, and you know, I said, "Okay, this is probably one place that I would want to get in." So I told my family this is what I want to do and you know as you can assume here is like here is a family of financial experts and they were like
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Write films are you sure you want to do films nobody makes films right? yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah.
2: but you know I had to really convince them but that to me was also that was the time when it it was a huge recognition of the fact that as an individual you have your own financial goals also and are you really thinking about that? Or you're just assuming that, all right, in the future, if I want to do something, I'll do it, right? And I realized that this is something I want to do completely on my own. Uh, so to create that corpus took me some time. Uh, but the biggest learning was that that if you have financial goals, it's important to write them down and start working towards them, yeah? Um, and that's how Ishka Films came about, Um and it, it all happened. Actually, a lot of things fell into place. I had a great friend who, um, who suggested this, um, uh, you know, who goaded me to meet this filmmaker. Um, and uh, I met him. He had a great script. And, you know, I said, OK, this is the kind of film that I want to make, something that's quirky, but still has entertainment value and yet leaves you with a thought.
1: Yeah, which film was that the, the first one that you did
2: so actually the first one was eventually made second it's a film called karma uh but that actually i started my journey with that script first but we had to uh, shelve it for some time because of some you know again learning experiences uh but we had to i had to put it aside and in the meanwhile i had another great script that came my way and which was um you know uh the director of the film anu menon i met her and she described it and And that was the time that I was still sort of dealing with the loss, you know, my mom's loss. And this resonated so deeply. And then I realized also during that time that when I spoke to people, every person had that sense of, you know, everybody's gone through some sense of trauma and loss due to, you know, loss of a loved one. And I thought it was a great film. And um, right from scratch, I mean, that was my, waiting was my hands-on journey to filmmaking. So right from... Talking to the cast, writing to them, uh, getting your budgets drawn out—you know, uh, everything, marketing, publicity, just doing everything hands-on. I think in that one film, I sort of at least understood that how do you, you know, what are the do's and don'ts of making a film. So yeah, that was that was my first film, and then of course, Karwa got made uh, in the meanwhile. Hmm.
1: Um, uh, hmm. And this is all like your personal corpus that you invested absolutely,
2: in. Absolutely. Okay. So I didn't have a lot of money, right? So I had to make, you know, uh, small budget films, uh, but films which I truly believed in. Uh, so.
1: Uh, how many films have you made under the Ishka? And, and this would be like what? You would be a producer here? or?
2: I'm a producer. Okay. Uh, okay. And I've made, I think, features two. I've made three short films. Uh, but this is the thing, right? It, it, you know, it needs bandwidth. I am not, the aim is not really to get a studio, uh, but really make films that I believe in. So as in when I have time, but now I've set, set up a team at Ishka as well. So We are looking, so I have two or three features more um, in the pipeline. Um and and i think that's a field that i've learned a lot and i apply a lot from what i learned there here as well in my financial services i think it's so what
1: what what kind of transferable learning have you got from filmmaking that, that
2: you know filmmaking it was very interesting for me that journey into filmmaking um when when i just you know when we were making waiting and i would speak to the script writer the dialogue writer or the director or um, even Nasirji and you know people who were Kalki, who were on the fi- in the film, I just it was very liberating because when you know coming from where I was, there was a it, it was a very very structured way of thinking and working. Right? It had backed by data. It had a structure, and you, there was there was a need for uniformity in what you were doing. Hmm.
1: Um, there was a checklist approach, basically,
2: and the. Uh, and and I think that was a completely different world. There was there were no rules of the game. Uh there were no sort of you know uh boundaries to how you could think. Um and and I think that's why just being with a set of creative people, I think to me, it helped me also come back and say that there may be more ways of doing this um than than what are than how one thinks, right? Um, also I think it brought you know, I, as a woman, I always thought that I brought a lot of empathy quotient to the team, to the company. But I think I, I brought, back, brought back so much more uh, with those interactions because, you know, that those are people who are living life very, very differently than how we are. Um, I mean, if you look at people in the film industry, uh, it is a film to film. Right. There is no. It's like a freelancing thing. There is no Mm, guarantee mm. of what's going to happen tomorrow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: yet, for them to live that fulfilling life, uh to me, just brought home the power of of doing what you are, hundred percent enjoying it totally, um, and just being in it, like you know. And I think so many different things that that. I think that impacted me as an individual, which I think I sort of brought back um, to the teams here. And a lot of people would ask me that how do you, how can you do, you know, two completely like other ends of the spectrum sort of uh, uh, jobs? But I think um, they were very, very uh, complementary, and uh,
1: hmm. mm-hmm. it, it basically helped you increase your EQ. Like your emotional question.
2: Yeah, if uh, yeah, I mean, people tell me that I was always very... Uh, EQ was very, very... Uh, sometimes a bit too okay. high. But I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it did. Totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, you became the managing director. So, you take that role from... Like, who was the MD before that? And you know, tell me about that transition.
2: So, essentially, there you know, we... Typically, uh, we sort of had an overarching umbrella overall our companies but as you know in financial services each each um, um you know because of different regulators and different compliances uh every every stream of business needs to have a separate entity so for example insurance has to be a separate entity from broking um, similarly um you know now even your advisory has to be you know you can't do advisory and broking but wealth had to be separate you had investment banking so there were just too many nbfc had to be a separate structure so that's when we sort of sat down as a, uh, and we have a family board. So we, within us, sort of decided that we need to individually sort of uh, looking on our look, you know, going by our core functions, what we spend most most of our time or where we think we have the skill of, you know, where we we are playing leadership roles, uh, choose to be on boards of their company. That was also the time we. Uh, brought in more um, structure to our boards uh, you know we just made sure that we have external board members you know we are, our boards are full you know completely sort of uh, otherwise if you, if you see a lot of the family-run companies boards are you know they're just there in name right okay there is a, board, right? uh, which is where we that's how we structured um, so then which is why we had kind of and we also said that we don't want all family members to be on all boards uh, because I think individually we were also evolving and growing and I think each one of us uh, sort of needed that space to also work in. Um, so which is why, um, you know, I was on the board, I am on the board of Anandrati Share and Stock Brokers uh, because preliminary, that's where I play a greater role. We were also setting up something known as preferred channel, which is moving even, forget commodities, but even moving um, our... Uh, Segment. And
1: and how would you rank them? Like which are the bigger parts of the businesses, uh, like relatively?
2: So I think uh, obviously the ones that's one that services are in you know our businesses, which is stockbroking uh, uh, business. I think that that is one of the larger chunks, but our construction and SMEs also you know maybe just uh, uh, slightly behind the uh, the. So I would if I were to put it uh, you know I would put forty. Uh, 40, 30 and 30.
1: This you're talking about the NBFC?
2: NBFC, yeah.
1: No, no. So, uh, within the group, like uh, these entities, like uh, w- what are their relative contributions to well, overall? Well,
2: uh, on contribution, I would say, I think uh, wealth management today is about um, 40% of our contribution. Okay. Uh, that's and that's our right. retail or our broking services and distribution, which is Anandrati Share and Stock Brokers uh, hmm. is about 30%. And then we have hmm. Hmm. all other businesses as well
1: okay 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 yeah. okay so uh, you know uh, tell me about lakshmi like you know when did that idea come to your mind and what what was the trigger for that
2: so well like i said right there were a couple of milestones in life that made me you know just sit back and think that why didn't and i i come from financial services i understand financial planning i am um, somebody who didn't sort of plan for this financial goal um, and then i think when i looked around me all along especially when we were when we deal with retail within the retail services when we speak to women uh, about financial planning uh, it's very disturbing to see that women you know whether they are earning their own money doing great in their careers very smart at what they do uh, when it comes to managing money, for some reason, just sort of they are resigned to saying that the men will manage it. My husband, father. So we they would understand the concept, but they would say, no, I, let me talk to my father or my husband or brother. And then, you know, I'll come back. And um, I think to me, that was something that, that invariably, you know, would affect me very, very deeply. Because I do think that, one of the reasons why, you know, we speak about gender equality, etc. Um, one of the reasons why I think, um, you know, in terms of gender pay gaps, etc., there's still time to go and there's a recognition of it, but there's still some time till we reach, the, you know, equal pays right, between for men and women. But one of the fastest way of at least reducing this financial equality was just to start managing your money and making it grow. And, and that was also the one way of really saying, you know, for a woman not to have to compromise whether it came, whether it came to a career or a relationship or anything else in life, right. And if you're a woman, you have so many stories around you, which are just, you know, they sort of just cement the fact that yes, if this is not done, you suffer in just so many different ways. And the third piece is that as a, as a, as a society, I think we will not be a healthy society till, uh, till women play an active and equal role because when women take charge of their money or when they grow money or they are in charge of, you know, deciding what happens with that money, I think money is reinvested into families, into communities, um, which essentially makes our society and I think the communities that we live in far richer. And to me, I think the only uh, I mean, I used to always wonder that why we are not able to when I even I talk to a woman, why am I not able to reach out to her? Right. Um, and while this was this was a pain point for a very long time, um, I I actually did, like I said, unfinished business at various times of life. So I went to Harvard to study. I did executive education there. Uh, I did something as the OPM, which is like your <laughs> crushed MBA programs. Um, so, uh, there we were asked to make uh, a pitch, a strategy pitch for a business idea, which was completely new. And this was where I, you know, because it was on my mind for a long time, I pitched uh, this idea. And Lakshmi. at that point in time, for the lack of a better word, you know, instantaneously, I said, okay, Lakshmi is a great word because it's a like, yes, right. right? We." Right. What is uh, uh, in, uh, in india and yet we we as women think we are not good enough um and which is why i called it at that point in time i called it lakshmi and um, pitched that idea and it was i think that that was the time when it really came home to me that first women managing their not managing their money is not just an indian problem it's a global issue right second in my cohort of 160 people, my batch mates, there were about 130, 35 men. And I think pretty much a large population of the men said, Why do you need a different platform for women? Right? There are, why, why should there's here's the platform? There's so many people doing financial services, you know, investment advisory. Why do you need a separate one? But each one of the women, and these are all women who are leading entrepreneurs in their countries. They said, you know, they said, wow, this is amazing because this is where we would have put our money in when we were younger. And possibly that one way to really change um, or impact the way women live their lives. So to me, I think that was the deepest uh, sort of my biggest takeaway also from Howard. And then, of course, um, uh, you know, my professors, they connected me to uh, to a woman in the U.S. who had started something similar at that point in time. And then, of course, connected me with a lot of resources, uh, you know, who could make me understand what their landscape was. So, yeah, I came back home all charged with knowing what exactly I want to do. Um, and that's how Lakshmi uh, sort of happened. I came back here. We did... Um, you know, I did a lot of uh, uh, primary and secondary research to understand because Indian demography is different. Um, you know, what what would work in the U.S. may not work here. So uh, we spoke to about 5000 women to understand, you know, what are the pain points? What are the friction points? Why? While you intrinsically know that because you've been in the business? But it was good to document it also and analyze it. Right. And say, OK, these are your data points. Um and I think once we've done that, that's from, you know, all that distilled is what then became what Lakshmi uh, is today. Uh, you know, bringing the fact home that um, it has to be a digital platform because it takes away the whole inhibition of human interaction uh, for women when they want to just try and understand. It has to have a lot of learning and literacy on it. Um, and in a way that women relate. So we churn out humongous, ch- humongous research, right, between all fina- companies and financial services. If you just look at the huge amount of research, but there is not one research that women find good, you know, easy to read and understand because there's um, there's so much of jargons. Also, it's all very sort of, you know, targeted towards men, right? So how men think about them. So it's all about beating the nifty. It is about, you know, a lot of the technical jargons that you would speak about. Very, in that sense, um, you know, there's a sense of competitiveness even there when, you know, when you're talking about your money. And I think we said, let, let's structure a, a lot of content, which is very relatable. Women, typically we understood, even if I save 10 rupees, I know what I'm saving it for in my head. I know this this is what I want to do with it, right? So very... Towards you know, growing and investing their money towards financial goals. So that was that was that one big learning, you know, that you have all your content also has to be around that has to be around financial goals. Uh, we made a very very easy to understand and yet <laughs> a very relatable learning content. So you could just go onto the app, and just learn simple basics about uh, about asset classes, investing, you know, financial plans, all of that. And of course, the investment platform where a woman could go and because one of the things I realized is you may I've all my years in financial services I've been doing a lot of literacy programs right every Women's Day my calendar used to be chock a block just doing literacy programs for women uh, but it just stopped there there was no clear call to action and I think all this very I mean right from the beginning I knew that this platform had to have. Um, a call to action where women could actually go and invest their money. So after you've done that learning, how do you take the next step of investing? Because till you don't do that, it's just left to a learning hmm. which you forget over a period of time.
1: Right, right. So
2: hmm. that's how that's how Lakshmi um, the platform was built, um, and and today I think that is something that um, I mean, while I am on the board of Anandrati Shares and Stockbrokers, it is uh, Lakshmi that. That I completely. That's my baby. That's what I drive uh, full time.
1: So, what is uh, Laxmi comparable to? Is it like a, a Paytm Money kind of a product where you can uh, do all sorts of investments? And
2: uh, yeah, so we are. I mean, the aim essentially. So, first of all, uh, you know, it it's also made me jump the fence from running a conventional business to really doing a startup, right? so the thought process is very different we are building blocks i know what the eventual roadmap is uh, and the roadmap is to become the money platform for women so you know, help her earn money help her uh, save money help her understand about spending money a little bit more judicious, judiciously uh, and eventually invest her money right we started with the invest block first where we said we'll we'll bring in and curate products and package them in a way that women find it easy to take that step of investing, right? But eventually, it is what we are building now is also blocks uh, uh, of of everything from on to invest. Uh, So that's the roadmap. Eventually when she wants to save her money earn her money and then save her money so have a savings account where she can understand okay you know this is where she can understand her spending patterns saving patterns use that money to invest into different products draw out her own financial plan so Lakshmi doesn't aim to be an advisor it aims to be a life coach which is teaching you this life skill of saying this is how you build a financial plan for yourself um and it's targeted to women in the age group of 25 to 35 because that is the most underserved uh, part of the market because that's the that's the age that nobody's talking to, right? Financial advisors are not very keen on reaching out to women because of the long gestation period, right? And um, of course, we have spillovers on either side. So we do have 20 years old also now wanting to invest them in as well as, you know, a 45, 50 year old woman as well. And, and for us, the... All of this are the blocks, but the core and the center of all of this sits a community where women come. So, we've created a safe space for women only women in this space where they come and talk about money, challenges, opportunities, um, you know, their experiences with money, what do they aim to do with that money, a place where they can ask questions, where they can mentor other women. If you've done your journey of you know, doing your first investment or making your, you know, um, achieving your financial goals. So the community sits right in the center. And w- which is where women actually let go of that self-doubt and saying, you know, because a lot of the women don't actually take that first step because either they don't want to ask because there's just too much intimidation, right? What if this sounds like a stupid question? What if, you know, I, you know laugh at me, right? Right there's no place for women to really go and ask that question or ask their questions and third is the whole fear of making mistakes you know i know that if i'm going to make a mistake which is a money mistake i will be told i told you why did you do it, right you know uh, it's okay if i'm cooking something and i make a mistake it's fine It doesn't matter, but if I'm putting my money somewhere and if I make a small mistake, I will be told off, right? So I think that's the ecosystem where women, I mean, that's the environment that women sort of, you know, live in and therefore, which is why they get left behind when it comes to, you know, making money decisions. And this is what the community solves. All of these three things, right? So you're watching other women who are, in the same space as you or some women who broken that and, and moved ahead and said, yes, I've invested my money. So you're breaking all of these, you know, social orientations, doubts, everything, and then learning from each other, the peer to peer learning. So, you know, you will not see a lot of communities with men on it, but you will see a lot of communities, women communities, whether it's passion, relationship, pa- parenting, lifestyle, anything. Um, that's because I think as women, we like the collaborative approach as opposed to a competitive approach. Um, and I think that's that's where the community, again, plays a very, very critical role. So it is not comparable to all the platforms that you just mentioned because it has its own unique features which help women, um, you know, do that journey of breaking those down uh,
1: and does it have like a social feature like 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 you said that so if you come onto
2: the app the first thing is it has a community and (laughs) we actually just so again you know uh we i was not very sure whether women would talk about money in a community also right so we tried this out as a uh, a beta feature as a facebook closed group uh, we started this last year uh, and today we have, and it's a closed group, so we can't market it, but just by referrals, we have 10,000 women on this group who are asking, talking money and very active. So we have 75% engagement on this. Wow. Okay. So to us, it was a proof of, you know, it, it was sort of proof of concept that yes, there is a need and there is a space that we can create. So we've just migrated it onto the app now. Um, community. So when you come onto the app, the first thing, and this is right now only on the Android, very shortly in the next two, three days in the iOS. So when you come onto the app, the first thing you see is a community feature where there is a social feature, right? Where women are asking questions or uh, asking questions or posing thought-provoking questions. Um, And women are, you know, sort of answering, putting in their thoughts. Um, So that's the first thing. And then you, of course, have the learning tools and the money uh, tabs where you can just go and invest.
1: So, your eventual goal is to be like a neo bank, like also to open up savings accounts for women.
2: Absolutely. And... Absolutely. But you see, this goes beyond just a neo bank uh, because you, what we are doing is we are creating an ecosystem uh, for women, right? Um, and it's one of its kind. There isn't an ecosystem like this anywhere where a woman can look at everything to do with money, right? From, like I said, earning to investing their money. There are a lot of literacy program uh, platforms, right, where women can go and learn. There are a couple of platforms where you can, you know, which are essentially saying, okay, learn about investment, learn about asset classes. But there isn't, a, you know, like a end to end sort of a solution, uh, which can serve women for all their money needs. So it's beyond an, just a neo bank. Also, it's far more. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think, for example, even simple things like, you know, saving money. Uh, today, you speak to a lot of women and they will tell you that what we save is also not something that we we control, right? So I think there is, um, it's it goes back to earnings saying, do you have the ability to earn your own money? If you have, then what sort of that earning should be going into your savings, Once it goes into your savings, if you're married, then this is what happens, right? You have a joint account and yet you have your me account. If you're single, then, you know, based on your goals, this is how your spending pattern should look at, like, right? Um, And I think very interestingly also, um, you know, when women look at saving money or investing their money, um, there are also a lot of other goals, for example, doing something for your parents, uh, right? Which is still... A very difficult conversation for women to have if they are married.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: right. Yeah. yeah.
2: And you, hmm. So it's tying in all these dots. So it's not just it's not just the science of managing money, but it is also your psychology of money, uh, your needs from that, and then tying in the science together. So it's way beyond just the neo bank, right? It's not just products, uh, but it is it is really like I keep saying, it's the life skill.
1: Mm -hmm. how will you uh, get earning uh, uh, like uh, uh, will you like uh, offer some sort of like gig employment opportunities on it or like uh, how will that earning piece come in so
2: yeah so we have I mean we've already because now we already have a a community which is very deeply engaged we've been uh, getting a lot of uh, people reaching out to us saying that you know we can tie up we can can women on your platform become partners for our product i think we still okay. we still
1: have, like a niche or yeah i mean not reseller. yeah
2: sort of reseller sales funnels or you know um, um also time for example um, uh, the whole gig piece right the freelancing piece um, but there's just so much you can do, Actually, I think, like I said, our roadmap is clear, but I think it's building blocks uh, and seeing okay, which ones can we, we will focus on investing right now, because that is that one piece which is completely underserved, um, and which is a place that women, you know, and I think once you start seeing benefits of investing, then you want to go back to saying, okay, how can I get my own earnings? How can I increase my earnings? i mean one of the things we tell our women is that you may ha- you have to have two three sources of earning right i think covid has more than ever showed to us that if you are dependent on just your core job or core business uh, you are very susceptible um, and therefore you must have you know um, you should build up other channels of revenue um, benefits of investing and growing your money if that is understood then we do sort of a backward Integration into saying, okay, now get the earning piece in. But right now, totally focused on, on this journey of saving to investing. Hmm,
1: hmm, hmm. Okay, okay. And uh, the monetization for you would be like when people invest, so that there is a certain uh, commission that you get to earn as a platform. So
2: our choice is either to become an investment advisor or to have, you know, um, uh, earn on the products, right? Um, and we realize that in India, in our country, I think people don't want to pay for advice.
0: Hmm,
2: Again, right. yeah. To, yeah. You know, because I, I don't think people take, because it's also abundantly available, right? Like relationships, financial advice is available everywhere. Go to Reddit, go to wherever you'll get financial advice.
1: Yeah. And solicited uh-huh. uh, uh, advice.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it's yeah. hard you know, it's just a mindset. People, first of all, don't sort of pay, you know, subscription, advisory is just one of the toughest things to solve. Um, second, I also feel that that at the end of the day, if they are actually investing, the aim of Lakshmi is for women to start investing. And I think if I leave it at advisory, then at least Lakshmi is not accomplishing its goal. So therefore, for us, our mission is accomplished when a woman really invests our money. And how can we make her invest with absolutely no cost to her? Right? So for example, mutual funds, we, we are okay, we are regular funds, we will get a commission on that. But I think it's important for us to tell women that you can go and do a direct fund. But today, if I can give you that one percent alpha and even more, then you know this is a place that that and and for me it's pressure, right? I have to make sure that I'm giving women that solution. Uh, you know so we've chosen to be on the um, uh, more on the distributor model of products uh, and that's where i think our uh, our revenue model will be built out of
1: hmm. okay and what is the uh, like the, the investment which has happened so far through lakshmi like
2: so luckily, can you share some numbers? Uh, it's bootstrapped by uh, by uh, me and my sister in law so we've put in our business, okay um, and uh, hmm. And, you know, that's how we've started it. So, you
1: know, I mean, the, the users, the women who have started investing through Lakshmi, like what is that? Uh, we like, have, I don't know what you call it, like assets under management.
2: Yeah, or, the AUM. Yeah. Well, I think so. The AUM, I think, is still not a big number to talk about but we have about um, uh, half a million worth AUM uh, within the Lakshmi because within the, on the Lakshmi platform, the only reason being because we are not, uh, actually our aim is not to push on investments. Uh, our I think focus is to get women onto the community, get engaged and learn. And then for them to take that step, next step, right? But the investments we've got so far is a proof of concept that yes, women, when they come to the community, they talk, they learn. They take that next step, right? So what would typically take a woman a year and a half or two years, or sometimes never, right? To take, to take the step to take today, it's a couple of months on a community, and they take that step on their own. That proof of concept is there. Uh, so we have about um, uh, you know um, two thousand odd women who are already actively investing their money. So, I think those numbers now, we, you know, we are focusing on getting the community uh, more richer. Like I said, migrating it onto the app. So, it is that one place as opposed to, you know, uh, the sort of a break in the journey from Facebook to uh, the mm. app. Mm. So,
0: mm. Uh, right, right, right. That's where
2: we're mm. focusing on. Um, mm. So, yeah.
1: And, uh, uh, like, what's the plan? Do you, like, want to, like, you know, typical startup mindset or strategy would be like spend money on customer acquisition and that 2000 number make it like 2 million or 20 million so we
2: are looking at i mean our first milestone is five and uh is 5 million on the community uh and we've sort okay. of seen a you know 10 to 15 percent conversion from community to uh, investing okay and and that 5 million number comes from essentially uh, you know a percentage of women who are Working women um, who are tax, who pay taxes, who are, who are digitally savvy, right? Because here you're asking women to invest their money online, uh, who are able to sort of do money transactions and and don't feel wary of it. Um, so that's our first milestone. Um,
1: and what is the time you put for that, like to hit? five minutes? So
2: I think it's very. Um, uh, I mean, we can. So. It, I think the, the way startups and this is, again, my learning process is that you need to break this into milestones, smaller milestones that when I get a hundred thousand is, you know, there are those breaks which from where you grow exponentially. So I think our first milestone, which which very shortly I think we shall reach is about one hundred thousand women on the community. And then from there we see, OK, how do we take it to the next step? Interestingly for us, it is not just, it is customer acquisition is the first, I mean, just number of users is the first focus, right, on the community. Because it is a community feature. That's
1: the top of the funnel for you.
2: But I think the way we look at it is also, um, you know, why it is also unique is because, like I said, we are community driven. I think what we do is a lot of partnerships with a lot of other women communities who want to bring home to their women the whole power of, you know, growing your money, talking about fun money finance etc and those partnerships actually are important for us to sort of get women with high intent onto the platform our focus on organic uh user acquisition is very high um what are we really doing there is of course the paid acquisition that that is much needed as a support uh but i think we spend right now a lot of energy time effort and really um Going out and cre- even on our social media handles, sort of doing a lot of financial fitness boot camps, etc. It's a great way for us to even, you know, get win trust and then get users onto the platform. Right, right,
1: right. Okay. And uh, like, you know, what, what is? Uh, are you looking at eventually getting external funding into it and all that, or you want? No, to no,
2: absolutely, absolutely it? looking at uh, getting external funding because. Um, I think, which is why uh, we sort of, like I said, there are milestones that we have, right, from where we know this is now exponential. Uh, So I think we're sort of walking that, uh, uh, we're trying to walk, this is, you can't really sort of say with a lot of conviction that, okay, we will do this. But we're trying to walk that fine balance between, you know, value and dilution. And I think we have, I mean, we have a great example by way of Falguni Nair, uh, you know, in terms of really, although that field is completely different, e-commerce and that too, fashion is just, uh, I think it's it's very, very different. But I do think that 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 is something that I would always pay attention to, um, looking at what is a good time to to go out and raise funds. Dilute. Yeah. Hmm. So, Hmm. So,
1: you know, running a community comes with its own set of challenges around content moderation and how do you keep the trolls out and how do you ensure only women are joining i mean a man could pretend to be a woman and join so how do you deal with those
2: challenges yeah so you've actually just you know just hit the the sensitive spo- uh, spot right now because that's what we are right now completely focused on it's just the moderation um uh, on the community on the see facebook is very easy to moderate uh yeah, but uh, and because it's a closed group, you're able to moderate it very, very closely. But on the app, we have all the issues that you say, especially when you go out and say it's a women-only community. I think you sort of attract
0: hmm. more
2: yeah. spam. Uh, yeah. But we have we've built in those those tools, um, and I think yeah. it's a work in progress. Uh, you know,
1: but how do you ensure only women join? Is there a KYC or something? Or no, so
2: so right now, so what we what we have on the app is you know typically anybody even you can download the app and view it but to interact you need to sign up even if you want to put in a single comment or you want to like something you have to sign up i think that is the first friction point uh, where you sign up and then of course we are building in other uh, uh, you know uh, recognition tools uh, are in the process But uh, right now, I think even the sign-up works fairly well for us.
1: Um, Uh, I wanted to ask you about the team there. You know, like, uh, what kind of team do you have at Lakshmi now? How how big is it? So,
2: we have 15 15 people in the team right now. Uh, This does not include my technology team because we are building it at um, uh, ARIT. But now we are bringing that in-house as well. Um, So, yeah, we are a 15-member team, largely all women. But... uh, I am trying to build diversity here as well.
1: <laughs>
2: so, uh, <laughs> okay. we have three men, but, uh, but hmm. I, I mean, given the way Lakshmi is, you know, it will always be uh, by women for women. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Questions. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Let me uh, end with this. So. Uh, You know, you are a very public figure. Uh, Tell me about some of the questions that you hate to get asked.
2: Okay, my favorite one is um, work-life balance. I mean, that is a question that is done to death. uh, And I'm tired of answering that there is no work-life balance. If you're an entrepreneur, there is no balance. And if you're a woman, even more no balance. Uh, I think it's just sort of, you know, um, just being in, in the present of what you're doing. I think that's one question that, that I'm just completely tired uh, of asking, uh, tired of being asked. Um, I think other than that, uh, so did your husband play a supportive role?
1: <laughs> did
2: your family play a supportive role? I'm like, <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, so, so yeah, you get questions like that. I think you, uh, but it's, uh, it's okay. I I think um, sometimes it is in a way good, and I tell myself this, that it's important to say that, yes, you have a supportive family. I think it's important to also understand that there are certain things that as a woman, you have to create, right? You have to focus more on creating than men do. So creating a support system around you is something that's very important that women should focus on. I think there's no taking away from it. just does allow you to perform better at work it gives you the freedom to you know spend more hours um, so i think these are also important questions it's also important for for the men out there to know that you know um that just by just just sort of you know being equal partners uh bring so much value um the relationship in a partnership
0: So I think sometimes just saying them aloud is also important. If you're a woman who's thinking about taking charge of your finances, then do check out the Lakshmi app. That's LXME on Play Store or App Store. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books and drama. Visit thepodium.in that is t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-n dot i-n for a complete list of all our shows. This episode of Founder Thesis podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com.